Hello and welcome to episode 134 of the Survivor's Guide to Life podcast. Oh, wow. And it's been a little while since our last episode. And our work has been difficult lately. The people we're helping, the people we're, our clients, are going through some very struggle, hard times. Um, we're going to return, and there's a relation here, we're going to return to the article we spoke about last time by Dr. Sunita Puri called We Must Learn to Look at Grief Even When We Want to Run Away. She also has a book, and it's not quite as hard-hitting uh, and as valuable, but it's still good, called That Good Night. And Dr. Puri is a palliative care doctor, and the real, the real point that she's making in her article is the value of facing grief and mortality and even hard times and not running away and there's a real as I said there's a real connection there with her her writing her message and some of the things that we're seeing plague people in our practice yeah well you know I think it's a I, I love her paper it's very but it gets to the point and I really is stuck with me her book is more of a memoir a, a, a memoir mm -hmm. of yeah. her experience going from a very conventional training as a medical doctor, um, plenty of technical knowledge and skill, to realizing she how ill-equipped she was to deal with the human condition, and how ill-equipped the training, the medical training, was. She got to where she started to want to really make that clear and yeah. point that out. She saw the yeah. lack of it. Yeah, and you know the truth is I don't have. Well, I do know a lot of doctors, but not, not all my dear friends. I do have some, and they all admit the same thing, mm -hmm. that their training was, that it, they were so ill-equipped to really deal with this, the stuff of life that, um, that took a, a, an empathy, a humanity, a, a non-mechanistic approach. Non-fix-it-at-all-costs right. type approach. And yeah. Uh, yeah. every one of them that, I, that are friends of mine, they all see that. They also live, though, in the yeah. very conventional medical world, I don't. Yeah. So they love to talk to me. And I don't mean as a professional only, but I mean they like to talk about it. I personally, I'm glad I'm not part of that world. Um, but there's some good people in it, no question about it. She's one of them, but she's on a journey. Mm -hmm. We feel that she's got a long way to go. Um, she has a lot of promise. She has promise, she does. Yeah. And you know, the world that we work in and live in, uh, I think has driven us much further in our growth and development. It's also helped us uh, come to grips with realizing that a lot of people run away from the difficulties in life as much as they can. And I got to say, in my journey, I mean, we've, what's this been, three weeks since we've done a podcast? I think so, yeah. Well, our three weeks are usually very full with work experience, with life experience. Mine has been very full with people opening up to me out of nowhere. And I don't mean people just hemorrhaging over it, but talking to me about their experiences that have been very moving. I just happened today. A lady from Thailand just told me she's going back to Thailand because her 52-year-old sister just died four days ago. Oh. And she had terminal cancer, stage 4 cancer. Oh. She's a beautiful woman. And she was talking about how sad it made her. Mm -hmm. And she wanted so badly to be there at her side and couldn't be there. Couldn't get there. No. no. And I mean, I'm just happy. And you know, you can see this humanity flowing out of people mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. And I learned from it. And I do... I think they're so grateful for it, too. 
that they find someone like you who is willing to look at it with them and hear them. And be human. And witness them. Yeah, witness them. And she that, writes about She does. Them. I love that. And she talks about, everything she's talking about is, um, she has terms for it that really have to do with becoming more human. Not becoming more professional, but becoming more human as a professional in the sense of that we have to be there with people and be with them in their pain and face our own humanity, yes. our own weaknesses. The pain that comes up in us. Absolutely. As a response to someone else's pain. And she talked, so yeah, and she talks about in the in this paper, mm -hmm. how when she was a younger practitioner or, or in her residency internship, she, she wasn't like that. She was a runner, and she she just want to go home and watch TV and eat and whatever she talks about funny. Mm -hmm. But she said when she realized that she wasn't responsible for healing everyone's grief and making them better, mm -hmm. things began to change. Mm -hmm. That's what where her humanity is beginning to show. Right. Um, which I love. It's very touching. It it doesn't make her a more effective technician. What it does is it makes her a more compassionate human being right. who has some technical abilities and knowledge that can help. And that's what she was after. That's what palliative, what she describes now is palliative care is much more widespread mm -hmm. than I had realized because I know it from a, um, from a hospice, hospice part. She's telling me that it's becoming it's more pervasive. More expansive. Yeah. I'll just want to add one thing and that is that she says that as a doctor, doctors are trained to treat suffering, but usually it's just physical suffering. And in palliative care, you look at the whole person and yeah. you want to help their suffering if it's emotional, if they're scared, if they're worried, if they don't know what's going to happen. If they are, you look at a bigger picture. Uh, yes. And, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I have, a, I have friends that are like that, that are doctors. And we, this isn't to blow our own horn. We do it much more. Yeah. Um, yeah. They still are doctors and they still want to, separate themselves somehow. I, I've seen this over and over, and these are the really good ones. And they are a bit mechanical, where we're, we know that that's not... Only the, one part of the picture. Yeah. yeah. And I've seen them do it, and we, we've even confronted some of them that were doing some things in our work that we didn't like with people, and we'd have to tell them that we don't treat people that way. Yeah. We don't take an institutional approach. No. And we, won't, we don't want to put people, treat them as an object at all. No. And usually these people who are friends of mine admit it right away. They can make a mistake and then correct it. And they do. Yeah. And they go to their knees. I swear they so feel so bad about doing it. Yeah. But that is their training. Yeah. It is their preparation. So I, I think the theme of today, I, wanted, I told Jenny, I know she's not totally comfortable with this. I wanted <laughs> to kind of wing it a little bit more. Yeah. In the sense of, we do a lot of preparing. We do a lot of reading in between, I'll be honest with you. And I have, this time, I've certainly got this paper. I've read the parts of the book where Jenny read the whole thing. We've read other things. But I keep coming back to what I'm running into with my fellow man and, and what I see out there. And that keeps striking me as much more powerful. And it's not painless. It's painful. Um, but I see people really suffering. I don't know if it's post-pandemic. I'm not sure what it is. Mm -hmm. But things are, have changed. Do I think people are pulling together because of it? I wish I could say that, but I don't think that's true at this time. I think some people do. Mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. And I think that if, if people really opened their hearts and, 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 and looked at themselves more honestly through this, they could, they could see how they could be drawn 
to each other in a much more compassionate, loving, and caring way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't see that in this particular crisis as much as I would have. No, and, and I think part of it could be how hard it is for people to let go of some control. I think that's involved in being willing to be open with other people. I know. That's an, it's an issue. It's a big one. And we see the people who really need that control, and they're so frightened to let go, and yet the situations are so overwhelming, and it can be heartbreaking to watch. It's such a hard time with this. We've seen it. I've seen we've dealt with a lot of caregivers and nurses, and, and we've seen what happened in, in hospitals where they were dealing with folks that were, the pandemic was overwhelming the hospitals, and they were dealing with so much death and dying. And the loved ones couldn't even be at the, their, their, their they the couldn't side be of, with them. No. no. And the nurses had to be the bridge. Yeah while this person was dying. Others had to look at it through a glass partition mm -hmm. and couldn't even, she has a beautiful example of someone at the end of life, they've chose not to keep them on a ventilator. And this, this, the doctor, she talks about how the wife just put her hand on the glass as and just- As close as she could be, that's as close yeah, as she could get. Yeah, and just melted yeah. um, while he was dying, while she watched him die. Yeah. And it didn't take long after he was off the ventilator. Yeah. We've, we've seen some pretty tough things. We're, we're looking at something here that's really different. We live on the underbelly. I've said this before. Our calling in life is to be more invested in the underbelly of life. Most people don't want to be there by choice. It's just too devastating. It's so painful. It's so distressing. And guess what? We're the ones that benefit in the end. We're the ones that grow. Mm -hmm. We're the ones that become the people we're meant to be. Mm -hmm. And we also discover a deeper sense of humility and humanity by being there. I can't say I love suffering. I will never, maybe when I get to heaven I can say that. But I, I don't, and yet I know it's a deep part of existence in life. And I'm willing to tolerate, and I'm willing to be there in, 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 in people's presence who are really suffering and in terrible pain, and feel it. Mm -hmm. My body to screams. Share it. share it with them. And Jenny knows she's yeah, there too. I'm there too. Yeah. And it's very, very painful. And there is healing in that for both you and for the person yes. that you're helping. But it's and it's so hard to explain to people how that works. It's hard to trust what we say that that kind of an experience provides healing um, to be for someone who is in pain to be heard and to be seen. Or to deal with the real frustrations that go with suffering and pain. Right. And I was thinking about a lady, uh, it was a friend of ours, she's 100 years old, and um, we were just talking about one, something that my horse is just, and she was talking about a caregiver situation that we helped set up. Mm -hmm. And somehow the caregiver has gotten carried away financially with what she wants, and this lady can't afford it. She mm -hmm. was telling me, as in a, she just slipped it in, I had to let her go, I can't afford it. I need it. And I told her I needed more time. And I asked her what it cost. It was beyond what I was paying, and I can't afford that. Mm -hmm. And you know, I saw this lady's pain. Yeah. And what it really, and she, this lady is in need of caregiving. Mm -hmm. um, she, yeah, and she's telling the truth. I know she was. And there she yeah. was sharing her pain with me as an aside. And I, and I stopped me in my tracks. And I said to her, you know what? That's what our nonprofit's about now. It's about people like you raising the money so we could subsidize and help you to make sure you have the adequate care that you need in your debilitated state. Yeah. And it's the truth. 
There's a vulnerability there that she's willing to have with you that it would take to share pain with somebody. Well, I know. And you know, it's funny, what I take for granted, and I don't mean it like just dismissively, um, she doesn't. And I, I know other people that don't either. They look at me as some unusual, she calls me an angel. I looked at her and said, I'm not an angel. Mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm just a human being who cares about you. Mm -hmm. You know what she was telling me? Well, that's different from a lot of people. That's not your average person. And that's what's beginning to unfortunately, impact me. Maybe I've been too removed because I've been so immersed in our work for so long. But a lot of people don't have that kind of empathy. They don't want to stick it out. They don't want to really work it through and find a deeper meaning to what's going on and face mm -hmm. certain things in life that you can benefit from so much. I think at the core of all of it, is a fear of death, a fear of mortality. I right. really do. Right. I see so many aberrations coming out of it and so much fearfulness that people don't want to look at something that we all are going to have to face. Right. And when you do face it and stay with people who are dealing with it or failing, it is what really amazes me is how much I learn about yes. caring and fulfillment. And about what matters most. And about what matters most. Yes. And not to waste my time with things that just don't matter anymore. They're just not that important. Mm -hmm. And yet, I, I, keep, I think, well, there's lots of people like me. And I'm surrounded here at our institute with people like me. And it isn't true. No, it's I go out there and it's like, place. <laughs> people don't want to get close to this stuff. They no. want it to be, even if it's in their life and in their face. They're looking away. They're looking for all kinds of ways to get, get out of it. Even if it means they act destructively to their loved ones. And, that, and themselves. And we are getting a full, full boat of that these days with people who have, because of their fears, what they have done to their loved ones and themselves in such destructive ways, mm -hmm. out of fear of facing difficulties in life and you know, yeah, loss and and mortality and um, loss of control, loss of what you know, just any kind of painful time like and that. And we do see it. I mean, we're, it's yeah. not like we're um, you know not seeing that, but what really astounds me is how destructive people act. And they'll go on the attack like rather than face and dig in and learn from it and grow from it and feel the pain of it but come through the other side. I'm amazed at how, how people don't want to do that. But I am also amazed at how much destructive behavior I'm seeing being acted out. Yeah. Uh, I think the pandemic has brought it to a huge proportion. It un un unleashed quite a bit. I really oh, have. I've seen stuff. a lot of it. Yeah. And now the... Now the how hard it is to afford things, I think, is starting to affect people. How much the, aff the affordability? And, and the, yeah. yeah, I think people are really struggling. Yeah. And at the same time, here we are, we're, we're talking about something that can be a very negative subject, even very human. And yet, with, I want to mention this. July 4th came, what was it, four days ago? Mm, yes, four days ago. The reason I want to mention that is I was watching a um, documentary, or I don't know what it calls on television, of... of uh, West Point cadets, and West Point had the big fireworks and all that stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And all the people that were being interviewed by the, by the media, and their attitude, in spite of all that was going on, was so patriotic, and I don't mean out of control, I mean they mm -hmm. had a love of their country. A they genuine had a genuine appreciation for, for freedom. our values and our freedom. And for the people that were willing to sacrifice mm -hmm. to keep our freedom going. 
against against monsters like Putin. Yeah. And yet, I saw this, and I'm saying, in the midst of all of that, and these people are acknowledging our country is a place where there's a lot of discourse, a lot of adversity, a lot of people working against our freedoms now. Yes. But I'll tell you what, the love of freedom, the love of our country, came through in spite of all of this. That's what I ask people to do. Yes, you're going through a rough time, but don't lose sight of what you do have and what you what is accessible to you, and appreciate it while you got it. I'm seeing too many people that just don't until it's too late. My job, as far as I'm concerned, is getting them to open their eyes and hearts mm -hmm. to appreciate what they have while they still can. Don't have regrets that you could do something about. Yep, and I really am invested for the rest of my life for that. And I think our nonprofit is too. We are going to help caregivers. We're going to help families in need. We have a magnificent board. They're all really talented people, yep. very powerful, um, in the sense of their commitment to helping others. Yeah. So we are invested. We have learned so much. And we, by the way, our nonprofit is called Lynn's Legacy. That was my wife who passed away 13, um, yes. 15, months, 12, 15 months ago. Lynn's Legacy, caring for the caregiver. And frankly, um, I can just say it because it's part of our life and we have to work around it. But I'll tell you what, when everybody leaves and the, th the lights go dim and it's quiet around here, my love for my wife and what she brought to my life and the passion that she's created, the legacy, it's right in my throat, in my eyes, in my heart, the love I have for her. She was an inspiration, a beautiful inspiration, and she was a real plus to my life. I want to say, I want to convey that through our podcast, and that's the way our podcast started, yeah. trying to reach more people to give them encouragement and hope during some very dark and difficult times. Mm -hmm. So, that's what I wanted to convey today. Maybe Jenny has something she'd like to convey. No, I, I, other than my regular information, I'll just say that I, uh, I was working in Peter's place for a few days last week, and I had a picture of Lynn next to me, and I... It meant a lot to me to feel like she was right there with me. And so, thank you, Lynn. <laughs> anyway, I'll go ahead and give my, my closing thing, which is the Survivor's Guide to Life podcast is sponsored by Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 that you can find at sctraumatreatment.org. There's a place to donate, and by doing so, you would help keep us on the air. We are on all the regular podcast outlets. We have our own YouTube channel. Please like and share and um, subscribe. Uh, we can be reached at Jenny at BernsteinInstitute.com, 707-781-3335. For Peter, Dr. Bernstein, and I, and for Steve Rustad, our producer, we thank you for joining us, and please tune in next time. All our best.